Welcome to the Frontline Conversation Podcast, the number one South African podcast platform that discuss issues around public policy and current affairs. We can't wait to share insights that matters to you. Are you ready to have the conversation? This is Frontline Conversation. Welcome to the second installment of Frontline Conversations. Today we are joined by South Africa's public protector, Advocate Usisiwe Mkwebani. We will be talking to her about some of the challenges that are faced by her office, as well as the good work that it has been doing across the country. We want to understand how the office goes about investigating the many cases that are lodged with her office to give our listeners a sense of how the office does its work and the important place that it occupies in South Africa's democracy. Advocate, welcome to Frontline Conversations. And thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. Um, As we indicated uh, in our introduction, uh, the Public Protector is a crucial institution uh, for ensuring accountability, transparency, and supporting South Africa's democracy. So today we just want to ask you a number of questions about the work that your office does and just to, to, to get a better sense from you of some of the challenges that your, your, your office looks after. I think probably the first question is just talk us through some of the work that you do as an office. Uh, what are some of the issues that you deal with and what kind of complaints ordinarily does your office look after? Okay. We, uh, the Public Protector is a Chapter 9 uh, institution in terms of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are um, established in terms of Section 181 uh, with other Chapter 9 institutions like your Auditor General, your Gender Commission, your South African Human Rights Commission. But then our mandates differ in that the Public Protector focus on uh, investigating uh, maladministration mm. in state affairs. Any uh, maladministration or any impropriety in yes. state affairs um, in the sense that we are having jurisdiction over 1,000 state institutions, uh, statutory border, uh, bodies, mm. your state-owned uh, uh, institutions and uh, we don't have a jurisdiction to investigate uh, court decisions and uh, we in the investigation our additional uh, powers are also in the public protector act Mm -hmm. which then goes further and say we investigate uh, dishonesty uh, issues relating to uh, abuse of power Mm -hmm. uh, undue delay in processing Mm -hmm. whatever government is providing so we don't also have jurisdiction over private individuals, yes. whereas both Human Rights Commission and both Gender Commission can investigate um, racism yes. uh, between a member of a public or private individuals. Public protector, we cannot. So uh, the additional other powers uh, are in terms of the um, uh, the prevention of uh, corrupt uh, activities. Mm-hmm. So we do investigate corruption in state affairs, but then sometimes we find that there's a corrupter and the corruptee and the corrupter might be from the private sector. So that's where we then can uh, have uh, uh, an engagement with the private sector. 
Yeah, and then we also have additional function, or the Power Protector is the only institution uh, which can investigate the executive in terms of the members, uh, executive members ethics act. So that one is complaints which are lodged only by members of parliament and uh, against the executive. So we don't have jurisdiction over a politician who's an MP, for instance. Uh-huh. But we only have jurisdiction over the president, the premier, MECs, ministers. So the ones who are appointed as an executive. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, so that's that's all we, we we have jurisdiction over. So any person can lodge a complaint. Yes. Yes. But as well, in terms of the Power Protector Act, I have just a, 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 a mandate to even conduct own initiative yes. investigations, <laughs> which I normally avoid because of the workload. Workload, yes, yes. And I think maybe just the two questions that I want to pick up on uh, from, 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 your, from your remarks, but maybe start with, I think, the, the more important one, which is in terms of the general public, uh, a lot of us uh, hear about the public protector, uh, maybe when we are watching television and there's a big report that comes out or some other politician comes in to lodge a complaint and there's a media contingent mm. with them. So a lot of us tend to focus our, our, our minds on those big cases. But I think the more important question really is to what extent um, is the general public aware of the work that your office does and what avenues are there for them to access your office mm. and to, to, to receive uh, the kind of support that your, your, your office is, was created for? Okay. Um, the um, Constitution also obliges the public protector to be accessible. So mm. the public protector must be accessible in terms of section 182 of the constitution so what we normally have uh, then to promote access is uh, um, we have now the vision 2023 Mm -hmm. which uh, focuses on access and access uh, in terms of uh, communicating in the um, vernacular languages so that people can understand their rights so what we have we have uh, 19 offices across the country and uh, we also now have entered into memorandum of understanding with the your department of justice uh, which mou is still uh, in a process of implementing mm-hmm. where we request that we use the magistrates offices um, for our outreach officials because yes. we have outreach officials who will go to the public also engage the public on our services mm-hmm. We also have MOUs with certain uh, speakers, especially the provincial speakers, yes, yes. because uh, remember in their public participation process, yes. you find that uh, members of the public will complain about service delivery and all those challenges mm. and lodge complaints uh, through the petitions mm. in the speakers. You find that the same complaints they lodge there, they also lodge with the public projector. Mm-hmm. So our office is widely known. I think it's because of those high-profile matters which were done. Yes, but yes. you'll be surprised that um, 90% of our work is relating to the bread and butter issues. Yes. Your very uh, 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 um, issues relating to 
um, you know, not having or accessing an ID, delay to issue an ID relating to issues of uh, unemployment insurance fund, mm. injury on duty, maybe labor is delaying to process. Yes. Um, so we, we deal with those. Yes. The office, um, there was a study which was done uh, before my arrival um, um, by the University of Pretoria. And there was that uh, 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 outcome that um, seventy percent of um, you'd say total population might have an idea of what the public protector or have some knowledge about the public protector. Okay, okay. And typically, uh, in your in your experience, do you find that compliance is at the level that at a level that you are you're comfortable with? So, uh, not the high level, high profile cases, but the ordinary cases. Member of the public comes into an office of the public protector, lodges a complaint, uh, you investigate, you make a ruling on how the issue should be resolved. Do you find that largely there is compliance, um, but also in terms of your own office, how, how advanced would you say is or how, how capable is the office from a, a monitoring perspective? Mm. Uh, now that you've issued a ruling, do you have some sort of mechanisms in place to ensure that, or at least to, to, to track back and check that mm. what you have directed has indeed been complied with? There, maybe I need to indicate that we have uh, different um, uh, cases or complaints which we investigate. Mm -hmm. There is your early resolution matters, mm -hmm. <coughs> which normally falls within the uh, uh, service delivery failures. Yes. Those ones, we resolve them in uh, between uh, from six months to a year. And those ones are the ones I'm referring to. Uh, access to an ID yes, uh, yes. Uh, or uh, delay in processing uh, UIF. And those ones, uh, again, I need to educate in this uh, process that those bread and butter issues, they don't even reach my, my desk. Mm. They are finalized in the province and in the regions yes. by the investigators because I've delegated my powers to them. Mm. And they are provincial uh, public protectors or uh, public prot uh, protector representatives. So, and again, in terms of the Public Protector Act, we can resolve uh, matters using alternative dispute resolution yes. mechanisms. So we are not investigating. There, you come in, you complain. We then can call the department, sit down, you will resolve. The department agrees to pay. The department agrees to uh, reinstate mm -hmm. and all those. Yes. So compliance there is not an issue. Okay. It's not a problem. The only problem comes with the issue of the formal reports. I remember where the department we've engaged them and again you need to know that we are supporting cultural democracy. We are not antagonistic yes. towards the departments. We work with the we say department here's a complaint and assist us to assist you mm -hmm. because basically that we are assisting them. Mm -hmm. So when the department then is not cooperating, uh, then we conduct an investigation. That's where we will write to the department and say these are the allegations, can you give us the following document, then we investigate. 
when we issue a rule, a, a finding, we don't call it a ruling, it's a finding. When we issue a finding, uh, because the constitution says the public protector will investigate, uh, you know, uh, issue a report and with the remedial action. Yes. So when we issue the, 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 the report or during our investigation, when you are implicated as a person or as an estate institution, before we issue a report, we will give you a notice yeah. to say we find that in our investigation or we have evidence that you are implicated in the following. Can you then tell us or rebut whatever we have with maybe an evidence? And normally you find that others will request a meeting, we sit, we go through, they provide an information. And sometimes we even say to them, how do you think we can resolve this? Give us the remedial action. Mm -hmm. So that one is an easy report because when we issue it, already it's a report we've agreed on, they implement. Yes. Then there are those who are not cooperating. They think we are a court of law or we are the police, we are after them. They don't want to cooperate. Then we issue you that Section 79 notice or even during the investigation, we write to you, you don't give us information. We get, uh, we investigate, we get information, mm -hmm. and then we bring it to you in terms of Section 79 notice. Mm -hmm. You also don't possibly address the information or even give us your side of the story. Mm -hmm. We issue a report. Normally those, they take us to court. Mm -hmm. And I must indicate that the ones who are taking us to court um, are the ones uh, or its way, uh, I mean, the, the constitutional court judgment after that judgment a lot of our, uh, our in fact uh, judicial review matters yes, yes, increased yes um, so uh, because it's binding until set aside yes, yes, by yes. the court yes. so where they take us to court they should also interdict the implementation uh -huh. because if they don't uh -huh. That report is still binding. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, does, it, it doesn't happen that simply because you've taken it on review, it's automatically uh -huh. suspended. No. You have to first apply also that... Uh, it be interdicted uh -huh. until then the court... The finding has been yes, made and by laid on the, on, on the matter. Uh -huh. So that's where we find challenges with yes. some of the ministers and some of the departments because they think I've taken it on review. And we sometimes. Yes, so just uh, take us or interdict, and uh, then when the court has the matter, uh, then we decide. But there are those who are just keeping quiet. They don't take us on review, they're just keeping quiet. We do have a, a, a unit, uh, anyway, it's a one person's, person unit where we then, after issuing a report, we issue letters of reminders. Yes, yes. If they don't comply, we as well then um even others we escalate to the speaker yes. because in terms of the constitution they also must be oversight yes yes so we escalated to the speaker to also use the parliamentary process yes. um to uh, refer that minister to the portfolio committee responsible so that they can check why are you not implementing the report on, on, on that very point, Advocate, uh, I think on one of your briefings mm -hmm. to the Portfolio Committee on Justice mm -hmm. uh, last year, mm -hmm. I think one of the issues that came out sharply from that, and I think it was an ongoing conversation mm -hmm. uh, in 2018, mm -hmm. was the issue of how the office is under-resourced, mm -hmm. while at the same time there's, a, there's an increase in its workload. And you've just mentioned, for instance, that 
you have one office which has one person mm. which plays a crucial role. Mm. Uh, to what extent would you say, for instance, the process of referring via the speaker to portfolio committees for, for, for direct accountability via the via parliament? To what extent would you say that is working? You know, is 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 parliament playing ball mm. in holding members of the executive or at least in getting government departments to comply with remedial actions in the instances where they choose not to take you or to take any of your remedial uh, actions on review and choose not to comply. Would you then say the mechanism of the Office of the Speaker through portfolio committees is working? Um, we have just started uh, using that route um, um, recently. Mm. And I must say that uh, they are uh, kind of assisting, mm -hmm. but then there were instances where also they are saying, no, um, the, the minister has taken you on review, not also understanding that taking on review, it, it's not uh, suspending mm -hmm. the implementation. So it's a process of engaging with them. And I'm hoping the sixth parliament, when we uh, conduct the induction to the new executive and yes. even meet, with the speaker's office because there is an office in parliament which uh, deals with uh, interaction between the speaker and the chapter 9 institutions. Yes, yes. So I hope that we will work very closely with them because remember their role also in terms of the constitution is to conduct oversight yes. because they are the voice of the people in parliament. Yes. So they need to make sure whatever remedial action we're taking, they implement. Yes. Uh, because I mean, if you are a minister, and you don't implement the power protectors remedial action. You are violating your oath of uh, office yes. uh, because uh, there is a provision in mm. Section ninety five of the Constitution yes. that you are going to be respecting and implementing and acting in terms of uh, respecting the co the Constitution. Yes. So we don't have capacity, but I must uh, uh, hasten to just indicate that. Following up on our remedial action is not the core of the power protect. Mm -hmm. Remember the constitution says, investigate, issue a report, remedial action, mm -hmm. which they are supposed to be uh, implementing. That's where we use uh, the additional uh, assembly to assist us or the speaker. Mm -hmm. If we had money, then uh, we will take them on, uh, you know, to court. Mm -hmm. Uh, to enforce those uh, 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 um, remedial action, uh, but uh, we are not uh, properly funded. In fact, it's a let's, government problem. Let's, let's, let's talk about mm. let, let's talk about this funding issue because I think we've, we've certainly seen. Um, I don't know, I don't know if there are percentages that one could work with, mm. uh, but I'm sure it's something you would have seen in the time that you've been here. But at least from a service delivery point of view and uh, probably the public satisfaction with, with government responsiveness, mm. there's probably been a deterioration of, of that relationship where the public probably feels more aggrieved mm. in a lot of instances now. And at the same time, you've got a shrinking resource pool from the government point of view where we have to do more with less. Mm. Uh, in your specific instance, how much more can you do with less? Is the conversation moving in the right direction as far as you are concerned in terms of funding to the office? Mm. Do you think 
you'll get more money. No, soon. I, I think uh, uh, it's a process of being innovative and um, do with what you, you have. Hence, we have the Vision 2023. Yes. Because one of the elements there is uh, Vision uh, Pillar number seven encouraging state institutions to establish complaints mechanisms within the government departments yes. so that people you can't stop a person from coming to the public protector but we're encouraging them mm -hmm. start first by approaching that institution and when you approach the institution the institution should be able to help you because we also say we cannot do the work of the public servants because it's like now everyone who's not happy, they come to us. Yes. But again, by having the complaints units, you will also prevent this uh, uh, service delivery protest. Yes. Because once people complain and serve you with a petition, you address their issues mm -hmm. and you are responsive to their demands. You wouldn't have a situation where you have um, the service delivery protest. Mm -hmm. So um, we will continue requesting for regional funding, but if we are not uh, provided, we will do with whatever we are having. Hemen Mashaba, mm -hmm. uh, this is this question is to many layers. Hemen Mashaba in Alex, mm -hmm. uh, I think his view was that that's not a genuine uh, service delivery protest. Mm -hmm. And if I recall, I think your office is teaming up with the South African mm. Human right. Rights Commission, Commission yes. uh, to go into that. Mm. Um, now, my question is not about Alex the same, but it's on collaborations. Mm. I think you mentioned also an OU with uh, the Department of Justice or the EU for using uh, magistrates' courts mm. as, as places where you can interact uh, with, with the public as mm. a whole. But with the resource crunch and less money available, um, how how what sort of other partnerships do you see for the office? Uh, for instance, one of the questions I, I, I had in my mind was, um, could the office take contributions from concerned parties with all the complications that may come with that uh, in terms of people? People could say, if you take money from XX Foundation, you never know. But are those things that could be possible with the right safeguard mechanisms uh, to create the distance that you may be comfortable uh, between the office itself and whoever provides the funding? You know, understanding that there's a crucial role to be played by the office, but there's a very real challenge of money to pay for things. And there are institutions that have the money how, how do you see uh, that? I think uh, maybe firstly, again, the issue of MOUs is one of the pillars uh, we have in Vision 2023. We have an MOU with uh, NPA, for instance, where we will, we will collaborate. We've got an MOU with SIU. Mm -hmm. We've got an MOU with the Human Rights Commission now. Mm -hmm. We will collaborate. That's where we can um, also use the available resources and share the resources which we are having. I think the issue of uh, funding, uh, possibly, it's, uh, it, 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 we, we depend on the fiscus. Um, the way the fiscus is structured in the country, there's no way where you can accept funding or donor funds. That is done through National Treasury. Yes. And I mean, in the past, the office has been doing that. And I think the issue of uh, funding, it's, uh, it has some conditions. Yes. When they fund you, they they fund you for um, uh, certain areas 
or you can utilize the money for uh, the especially for training capacity building um, issues relating to research and stuff like that at the end of the day that doesn't help me with my core because my core is investigations so and they won't even fund you for getting an employee more, yes, more, yes. more staff. So that funding is through National Treasure. And I think if then the government decides to get funding, additional funding, as long as we get that money through Treasury, yes. when they allocate for our funding, I wouldn't say much about it. Yes. We cannot get money directly. You can't take it directly. No, as an institution, okay. we cannot. No. Contributions in kind. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, tumanism where people are saying, how can we get involved? One of the challenges you have as an office is investigators. Mm -hmm. Would it be possible in the future, it may not be now, it may be something that takes time, through the Department of Justice, through the, the relevant institutions of state, working with your office to say, we have a shortage of investigators, we can't afford to pay them. There are South Africans out there who may volunteer their skills. Uh, someone else pays for that, we don't pay for it. Would that be well, a consideration? That is, is happening in terms of the Public Protector Act. Um, I can, uh, I can um, uh, firstly request a secondment from any state institution mm -hmm. to assist or any other person um, who can then assist it depends on um, the sensitivity of the in investigation yes. because again you need to make sure that whatever we're doing as a public protector there are reports where i will not publish them yes because it's not in the best interest of the uh, it's not in the best interest of the of the of the country uh, the sensitivity of the information so you wouldn't just uh, get additional people but then um, it's happening now with the, we are in collaboration with the public sector sector mm -hmm. where we have been engaging with them, we've partnered with them. They've availed uh, 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 trainees in tents who started now in, in March. Mm -hmm. They are helping our, 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 our investigators, yes. especially then they, they are trained, but at least they are hand for uh, assisting. Yes, yes. That happens. So um, it's not an, an issue for us to, 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 to get that additional uh, assistance, which we can get as long as those people are paid. As long as those people as well, uh, if we're going to be using them for very sensitive matters, then it means uh, they must be properly uh, vetted, have a top security clearance and um, be able to do uh, the work which because I think you need to at the end of the day it's my accountability to make sure that info people's information is secured mm -hmm. yes um, so that is is options which we have okay. mm -hmm. would, would the, in terms of the skills secondment uh, does does the act or your current programs do they allow for secondment from the private sector where you could request any institution in the private sector for instance that may have the capacity to say look I can't pay you. I don't have the money to I don't have the people in-house, but I need the technical expertise that you have uh, for this purpose. Can you that, pay that, for it? That we can uh, outsource because that will then fall within our goods and services uh, budget. Yes. Because 
uh, instead of us appointing a firm of forensic investigators. Yes, yes. And there is a, a, a company which is willing to do a pro, a pro bono. Yes. And we don't pay them uh, for a certain uh, research or forensic investigation. Yes. That's what we can consider. Okay. But again, we'll have to make sure that whoever we are using has the credibility mm -hmm. and uh, it's properly vetted mm -hmm. to be able to do the work. Okay. So you cannot use a company which will come back and say, no, we are correcting here, like the KPMG and them. So I think we'll have to have a company which is credible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's talk about your priorities. Mm -hmm. Next three years, next four years, what's in the pipeline um, mm -hmm. for the Office of the Public Protector? Mm, I indicated earlier that we have vision 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, when I joined the institution, we said with the team, and I indicated that my priority or my key focus is your grassroots. Yes. Because this office is meant to be uh, uh, empowering people at the grassroots, being able to be their own liberators. Yes. So that vision 2023 has eight pillars. So the eight pillars, the first pillar is access which are indicated access using our vernacular languages, but again, access in terms of the buildings or the footprint. Yes. Hence, we have MOUs. MOUs is also one of the pillars mm -hmm. with the justice and other institutions, municipalities, the speakers, so that we can have our outreach officials mm -hmm. going there and then also um, informing people about our office or even advising them and then even accepting complaints and then we also have another pillar where we uh, have to be the um, uh, you know the the place where the marginalized can come to because you find that people come to the public protector when they've lost hope yes. in in the public um, administration some of them they come here they even um, attack our investigators when they don't get what they are expecting yes. sometimes you find that we don't even have jurisdiction but this office is is a safe heaven for them uh, because we don't just turn you back we'll give you advice we'll link you to the correct institution which needs to help you so we'll continue doing that and this other one pillar number seven it's where we are saying to state institutions we can't do your work have complaints mechanisms We've just recently signed an MOU with the tax ombudsman. Mm -hmm. The uh, former PP helped uh, to establish the tax ombudsman. So, I mean, they've processed more than uh, 12,000 complaints since their establishment. And if it was not that, those complaints were supposed to come yes, to us. Yes, yes. So I think if we have those, uh, the military ombudsman is there. Johannesburg also has the Johannesburg, the metro. Ombudsman, Cape Town, they have. So if institutions help, can help, yes. yes. So, and we are, we are even saying, because we don't have the resources, we don't expect you to have a, an Ombudsman, because then it's a very, maybe, high-profile position. Mm -hmm. But you can have a senior manager or a manager, mm -hmm. just responsible for, in a municipality, you mm -hmm. can even have an assistant manager. When people come and complain, their cases are addressed quickly, so that you don't have people being agitated. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'm very optimistic that by 2023, 
this office will only be focusing on systemic issues yes. where we are picking up that there is this trend uh, where when I was going around the provinces for the road shows, I also have public protector road shows every year. It's part of access. Where we did discovered in 2017 a lot of fights between the um, traditional leaders mm. and the municipalities. Mm. And remember the, the interim constitution was giving the traditional leaders a lot of uh, power. Thought, yes. But now that was taken away in the final constitution. And you find that some areas, rural areas, traditional leaders are the ones who are responsible for their citizens or their... So there's that then conflict. Find that they have land, the municipality doesn't have. They allocate land, people build, but then the services municipality in their plan, yes. they haven't budgeted for yes. services. So that also causes some conflicts. Or sometimes the municipality will proceed and uh, build uh, RTPs in their land and the Koshi will say, don't occupy those. Uh, I didn't give authority. <laughs> then you have white elephant uh, houses. Yes. So that is one systemic investigation. So if we can focus on that and change, yes. it, it contributes to policy. Yes. Again, this country, the focus is on national and provincial. Yes, yes. Very much funded. But go to local where That's, where, that's where the, the trouble is. Most of the trouble that. resides there. And again, the capacity in the municipality is yes. not there. You find that uh, a person is a CFO or a municipal manager who's supposed to be an, uh, an accounting officer. Yes. Has no clue about even a balance sheet or a financial statement. Yes. So you, you, you understand. Yes. So I think this country should be changing. Yes. By then, we should be influencing the policy yes. and even saying do you need to have the provincial structure yes. or you need to have the like for kenya yes. they've changed their structure now they've got uh, even borowanda mm. your municipal level is the one which is more powerful yes. more resourced yes. because that's where the services are yeah advocate this is my last question i was not going to ask this mm. question until you opened the door to to uh, questions of policy. Uh, we are a public policy institution, uh, so it would not make sense not to ask this question. Uh, I know it's not strictly in the mandate currently, but I think one of the one of the um, the difficult issues for a developing country is you have a lot of small business, uh, small business operators. I mean, it's across the world, right? Um, and. In our case, there's been a lot of complaints, largely from big business, mm. about government taking decisions which are not supportive of business operations or business success. Uh, that some policies are made on a whim, all of these things. True or false, doesn't matter. But you find there's a small business operator, let's talk about a uh, bed and breakfast, mm. uh, bed and breakfast operator, mm. for instance, where the Department of Tourism or any other department would make a policy ruling or issue a regulation yeah. which is quite detrimental to the interests of a small business operator but may work very well for a hotel or mm -hmm. whoever mm -hmm. has the, the, the money to comply. Mm -hmm. And the Department of Tourism or the legislating or regulating entity will say, we put this out for comment, we consulted widely, and people would say we commented and we were ignored completely. Mm -hmm. Some would say we were never even aware mm -hmm. that this thing was happening, 
and this is how it's killing our businesses. Mm. In those instances where that small business operator can't take a government department to court mm. uh, to fight over a probably highly complex uh, regulatory issue, mm. could that small business operator come to you and say, look, I'm going bankrupt here. Uh, these are the circumstances. This is how we're locked out of the process, or this is how our inputs were ignored mm. despite the, 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 the evidence or the backup information we have to prove that we're going out of business. Mm. Could they come to you and say, please help us work with government to resolve this issue? Um, we do. A lot of <coughs> those, well, you think that the power protector possibly is not uh, influencing. I mean, we, we do influence a lot of uh, public policy. Yeah. And uh, remember, in our investigations also, the remedial action, and even those systemic investigations, are clearly focused on making sure that how do we change uh, policy. We have a number of complaints which we receive. For instance, there's one from arts and culture, um, where this uh, 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 service provider is the only black company which provides the services of training on a roadies. It's roadies uh, and as well, the, 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 this huge um, um, uh, uh, events or, or providing the skills. I mean, he's training a lot of young South Africans as well to specialize in when you have your festivals or events where the connection for the speakers, cameras and the lighting so a lot in that business it was only white companies so he is not somebody who keeps quiet you need to show to us that you've written to the dg you've written to the minister um, especially on the on those i mean um, tourism you are excluded uh, because possibly there's certain things which were included and in the consultation, you can show that this is our contributions which you've submitted and you've been engaging. What we can do, we can engage with the department and find a solution and check how can the, the very same provisions of the law can be amended to be able to address those issues. I mean, uh, besides the issue of the hotel, there's another one we, we, we are busy investigating, the horse racing industry which uh, also is not an industry which accommodates um, or there's none, none, no black uh, company which is uh, very successful in that particular industry. Though it's a complaint we've received long time ago uh, from one of the breeders mm. um, who is a black woman who's also was uh, faced a lot of challenges and even the grooms fighting that we are not included into the uh, protection of the national horse racing industry and stuff like that. So that investigation, the way it's structured, it will also help to ensure that how can government make sure that the very same uh, black uh, uh, aspiring horse uh, industry um, uh, business people are also accommodated yes. in the space. And I think big business, I mean, um, the, challenge, the issue is everything is favoring them. I mean, if you check the PFMA, the triple PFA, it's favoring uh, big business. And I mean, if you can check the government spend 
in the tennis, I mean, uh, uh, more than 500 billion to up, um, it's, uh, it's tenders awarded to them, mm. and it um, it's impacting on the on the on the on the on the low level uh, business people. So if you are a business person, SMME, and you have those challenges, because it do it do not only start with the issue that now there's this regulation, mm. but surely you might be aware, you will be engaged. You will consult with the, the Brand South Africa or even Department of Tourism on issues which have an impact on you. Mm. It will depend on how the department responds. So as a power protector, then we check that conduct and we determine whether that conduct is prejudicing you as yes. a person. Yes. So I think we, we it needs a very um, clear analysis yes. and as well an assessment yes. to determine whether we can do this yes. and the impact it has. Yes. So that's what we would want to focus on in okay. the long run. Okay. Because currently we deal with this and we're doing the public servants work. Yes, but yes. then if we can be given space to focus on this one, yes. we can then yes. also contribute to you know, the broader uh, aspect of um, this constitution yes, yes. surely benefiting each and every person. Advocate, thank you so much for, for, for taking the time okay. to be with us. Yes. Um, I wish we had uh, far more time because there are some really interesting conversations that yeah. we could have. But thank you so much for, for taking the time. Uh, I'm sure our viewers and our listeners would be quite pleased to, to have listened to all the insights that you have shared with us. Uh, thank you all for joining us. This has been the second edition of Frontline Conversations. Until next time, thank you.